The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, JC. How's it going, JC? Hello, buddy. Uh, David is still off on his random vacation expedition. Touring the world. Yeah, he's... I think he went to Yosemite, like he's hiking Yosemite. Like, this is all for his birthday. Like, the, the dude... The dude knows how to birthday. Let me like, like he's got birthday done, like on lock. He's. So, I thought I was good just inviting everyone to a restaurant. No, dude, I don't have. Yeah, it you down. got nothing. Nothing. Your birthdays are hot garbage <laughs> compared to his birthdays. I should shut all further birthdays down. Um, it's right. Like we shouldn't even try anymore because he goes to Yosemite. I think he went to Salt Lake City now. Um, but what that does mean is I'm without him again for another week, yeah. and I very much appreciate JC you having. Uh, taking the time to stop by the studio and join us as my co-host. You're just inviting all the substitutes. That's right. This is kind of like when um, Regis retired <laughs> and then Kelly Ripa just brought in this parade of co-hosts to kind of tide her over until like Strahan shows up. Yeah. And well, I guess in this example, Dave is both Regis and Michael Strahan. No, I'm, I'm, the, and, I'm Michael Strahan. Oh, you're Michael Strahan. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> see he, he gets very sensitive about that stuff he's gonna get like super oh, freaked no. out he's gonna like hunt you down now yeah i'm michael strahan no it's so it's okay yeah um but i'm great i'm, I'm glad to have you here we've actually podcasted together before mm-hmm. you're a huge pop culture guy you know music really well mm-hmm. you're a musician yourself and so i think you're well fit for this podcast i am again sorry david <laughs> Um, if you want to reach out to the podcast, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Um, that's, you can send us some show questions. Uh, if you have any show criticism, all quite warranted, I'm sure, uh, send it to that email. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for any of the people we interview, we can, uh, take them from the email, interview them on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. That's at Ryan K-A-I-R. Do you want to give out your Twitter, JC? You... Sure. You can find me across all different forms of social media. You're an internet hound. I am. And it doesn't pay off. Because <laughs> like you, I have very few followers. For now, maybe you'll pass me very soon. But well, it's... Uh, I mean, you're on this podcast now. That's going to well, change everything for you. Straight to the top. It's exposure, man. <laughs> soon so where I, too, will be new and noteworthy. That's right. Yeah. So you can find me at J Sizzle. That is at J C I Z L E. The white people appreciate the spelling. They do. We need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're also like I think you, you do some stuff on Reddit. You're all over the place. Yeah. Um, if we to help, well, I should say we would hope that you help support this podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. Uh, rate us on those web pages and review. I know that stuff seems silly, you know, ratings, reviews, but those things actually help. Somebody who I've talked to at Apple has actually told me that that stuff matters. It moves you up some weird algorithm and, you know, makes all your dreams come true. So rate, review, subscribe to us, and uh, I'll be a very happy person. Uh, coming up in the next segment, Marion Call is going to join us. Awesome. Yeah, in 
awesome indie artist, Marion Call. She's she's great. Um, I'm actually a little excited. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I all the all the artists that I've had on this show have been wonderful and great. But Marion Call is sort of uniquely special to me because I've been a big fan of hers for years before I even started writing this book or even getting involved in entertainment law, even before I went to law school. Like I've always been a fan of hers. So this is kind of like a meeting your heroes kind of moment. You're for me. geeking out right I'm, now. I'm, I'm going to be so useless during this interview. Officially. My, my first question is just going to be... <laughs> and that's just... And you can't really see it on the podcast, but I was like waving, yeah, waving my fisted hands back and forth. I will tell the listeners that you did do that for a solid 20 minutes before the podcast started. So I'm excited to hear from her. (laughs) Um, She's a, she just finished a monster Kickstarter campaign where she raised over $67,000. She makes great music videos and I'm actually, I'm actually sort of afraid to tell her this on the podcast, but I'm going to tell her even though it's embarrassing, but her song, Good Morning Moon, wakes me up every morning on my alarm clock. Oh. Don't let me get away with not telling her this. <laughs> I need to tell her this, even though it's going to be super embarrassing. Not at all. Uh, I th- think that's th- great to hear as an artist. Do you think she'll like that? Is that going to, like, totally. is she going to be like, you're there when I wake up every morning, Mary? <laughs> okay, if you put it that way. Okay, so I shouldn't phrase it that way. Is what yes. <laughs> she won't ever listen to this, right? She won't listen to this past two minutes. I, I bet she'll mo- just skip right over that. I part. think most of the artists who we interview just skip the first segment and go yeah. right to their interview. But no, Marion <laughs> seems cool. Like she'll she'll dig the stuff that we're talking about. She also makes great music videos. By yeah, the way, she we're going to talk to her about that. So if you're an indie artist and you want to learn more about how to own Kickstarter and how to make great music videos, uh, you're going to want to stick around and listen to what Marion Call has to say. She's great. Sure. She's wonderful. And aside from everything else, her music is totally awesome oh it's it's so quirky and there's a lot to listen to yeah and that's what i get from listening to her music there's just just listen yeah Uh, (laughs) the songs are well put together great instrumentation great production she has an extensive catalog so i mean that's always my favorite thing when i discover an artist is when you discover them and they've been around for many years. So it's like, oh, I fallen in love with this artist. They have five albums. <laughs> I can I yes. can consume all the things. It's great. Yeah. Um, but before we bring on Marion, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's been happening in the entertainment law news and how it affects indie artists. Mm-hmm. This past week, JC, mm-hmm. there is just the internet has been just kerfuffling over streaming. Uh, music streaming. Oh, yeah. And you know, the internet's always kind of going nuts about music streaming. But, and everything else. And but. everything else. <laughs> um, but this past week, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about internet streaming. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the articles that have come out recently, because I think this discussion does impact indie artists and what the industry is going to look like in the future. For sure. So this past week, a pair of music economists named Luis Aguiar and Joel Waldfogel. And by the way, that's got to be the only type of economist that gets laid, right? Oh, the music, like, like, can you just imagine them at like the economics conferences? Like, oh, what do you study? I I, I look into the uh, trade deficits between uh, China and Israel. And so what do you study? Oh, man, economics and music, brah. Economics (laughs) and rock. They are the guitarists of the economic world. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I think if I was going to be an economist, like the, the idea that you can just study the economics of the music industry and of sure. music, that's super cool. So no, anyway, th- those Freakonomic guys are, yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're, they're real rock stars. They're now. pretty stellar too. Was that Levitt and Dubner? Yeah. So, okay. 
we can agree. There's only four cool economists in the world. The Freakonomics guys, Levitt yeah. and Dubner. They're the Beyonce's of the yeah. e- economics world. And then these two guys, Aguiar and Wald Fogel, because they get to write about the economics of music. Yeah. So that's it. The rest of you econ- economists out there, just... I'm sorry. You got nothing. You're sorry. <laughs> You're not cool. Um, so, but what they wrote about is there's always this debate in the, mu- in the music industry amongst all kinds of artists. Is streaming basically taking money out of the pocket of the music industry. If people are getting, are streaming their music through Spotify, Apple music, Pandora, and is that replacing actual track sales? And if it is, is it replacing it so much that there's a net negative on the industry? There's money leaving the music business. Right. And there's been debate. And so what these two rock star economists tried to do is come up with economic models. And by the way, I was an economics major in college and their math is just way beyond anything I can possibly <laughs> understand. And maybe maybe that's because these guys are just super st- smart. Maybe my college just did a terrible job teaching me economics. I don't know. But, little column A, little column B. Yeah, that's right. But these, you know, using some complex math, I can't begin to comprehend and using all kinds of statistics on record sales, Spotify streams, they determined that the effect on the music industry in terms of total revenues by the emergence of streaming is actually revenue neutral. I don't like that answer. You don't like that answer? Right. Because I and- need something to cling to. <laughs> I don't like something neutral. Am I happier outraged? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting analysis because every like whether you're pro streaming or anti streaming, mm. I feel like everybody gets something to be happy about with this study. Okay. Because one of the questions they answered was does the rise of stre- is streaming replacing music sales? Because some people are saying, oh, people are streaming music. They're not buying it at iTunes and on record stores. And then you have other people who say, no, wait, man, that's not true. People listen to stuff on Spotify and they love it so much that they want to go buy it on iTunes. And it turns out, according to these economists, that the first group is right. That wow. music sales are going down and it's a specific consequence of the rise of streaming, which makes sense. That totally makes sense. So that would make you think, okay, then it's not revenue neutral. Revenues are going down. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they also discovered is that it's what it the loss in revenue is made up by, for the fact that the amount of money you get from streaming plus all of the people who used to pirate music now switching into streaming because they have an easier way to consume music right. are actually making up for that lost revenue and it wind, winds up being a wash. And I feel like streaming is revenue neutral. So if you're pro streaming, you like that statistic. Right. That's definitely the thing that we sort of leave out is that there are a lot of people that are entering the market again. Yeah. Um, People that we thought we lost forever when Napster emerged and all the record companies said, hey, maybe we should put our music online. Nah. Right. People are always going to go to Sam Goody. <laughs> We're always going to have Virgin Megastore. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, people are always going to want to take the shrink wrap off CDs. There's nothing like it. And so all, you know, and so labels didn't react fast enough to the emergence of digital music. All those people who went to Napster illegally, we thought they would never come back. Well, I think. But perhaps even, they are now. An even bigger thing is that they actively fought against its emerging. There's, there yeah. was, it wasn't just ignoring it. It was actively fighting against a growing tide like the the tide is coming and and uh, And, and, you can't fight against it and they told music downloading to get off its proverbial lawn (laughs) (laughs) and so this article but this article is is controversial you know basically these guys are telling the anti-streaming crowd 
And by the way, I'm neither pro nor con on it. I think right. it's I tend to be in the camp of it is what it is. We are this is the way that the market's going, so figure out how to live in this world. Economically neutral. Right. Like I'm more of just a realist, we'll say, than okay. being pro or anti-streaming. But what you know, but what these people are saying is that you know you have nothing to fear from this streaming revolution, the music industry, you know, it's basically a wash. Now um, there are a lot of people who don't like this article. There have been plenty of articles that have poked some of that have identified some of the problems with it, have said that this isn't a peer-reviewed study yet. It's still a working paper, so there's still, you know, right. there's gonna be peer review and and then you have plenty of artists who are like, you know, you have Aloe Black coming out and saying, well, you know, whatever. You can say that this in, you can say that this is revenue neutral all you want. All I know is I got four thousand dollars from ten million streams of Wake Me Up. <laughs> You know, of which I was a co-writer. Like, you can take your revenue neutral and shove it up your, your front because, mm-hmm. you know, I have I got a check for $4,000 and this thing's been streamed 20 billion times. Exactly. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why that's the case, by the way. And I think what you have to remember with the Aloe Black example is that he was one of five writers on Wake Me Up. So, right. And that's further compounded by the fact that songwriters in general and this i will concede songwriters in general get screwed by streaming oh of course recording artists get a much bigger piece of the pie than songwriters do remember with every every recording there's two copyrights the sound recording copyright which is usually owned by the recording artist or the record company and the publisher and and the publishing right yeah you know you music business major well so i dabble that's right. But because of just the way that, you know, the government licensing works, songwriters get a very tiny piece of that Spotify pie, mm-hmm. which is the opposite in terrestrial radio, where the publishers and the songwriter copyright holders gig at everything and recording artists get nothing. So right. It's but so I can. So that's what's further complicating things for Aloe Black. And which, the third, which is which is kind of showing the shift in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's the growing pains of everything. And I know we're probably going to expound on that, but it, it, it's always the growing pains. And it, it goes back to the fighting against the growing tide. Like the tide is changing and you've got to change up things. That's what, right. Um, which is a hard pill for people to swallow because otherwise you'd be getting lots of money for your one in five uh, songwriters on a song. Yeah. I'm getting tons of money. Uh, but the industry's shifting. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see what Aloe Black gets for terrestrial radio mm-hmm. of Wake Me Up. I'm guessing it's pretty sizable because, again, terrestrial radio t- treats songwriters much better. Yeah. And by the way, and this is the part of it that really applies to indie artists, that all of this is compounded by the fact that you want to know why, one of the reasons why Aloe Black's only getting $4,000? Because he's got a lot of hands in that cookie jar. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the he's got a publishing company and they're taking a piece of this. If you're a recording artist... You know, you might only get a trickle for your streams because if you're signed to a label, the label's taking a big piece out of that. Huge chunk. Right. Because they're the ones that actually own the masters. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are actually the rights holders. So you're just getting some tiny royalty. So by the way, you know, that's one of the reasons why you kind of want to stay away from record labels <laughs> if you want to make the most of the promise that streaming can offer recording artists. You don't seem to be economically neutral on record labels. Oh, I've made my views quite clear. <laughs> and when my book comes out, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music ah. Industry, you can learn more about that. Um, and in that regard, there was a recent New York Times article that came out about a week ago that was talking about an artist named, and I lost the name here, and I want to make sure I get it exactly right to give this guy some pub, Perrin Lamb. Okay. Okay. You've never heard of him, right? No. Nope. No. But he had a song that came out recently, and that you know, again, we've never heard of. 
the song is called why where are my notes going today uh <laughs> everyone's got something okay okay you know, we've never heard of the song. We've never heard of Parent Lamb, but it became like a featured song on Spotify. It got a bunch of streams and he made 50 grand off of this song that neither of Damn. us have heard of. And he got 40,000 for the songwriter credit or sorry, 40,000 by being the by owning the masters. Right. And he got 10,000 for owning the song for that. And so as an indie artist, you can make some good coin off of streaming as long as you're the one who owns all of the rights. Right. And would you say the really important thing um, as we move further and further into the digital age is for the indie artist to really be at the table, uh, really take part in the conversations that happen when it comes to digital streaming um, and the the control of you know how your music is exploited mm-hmm. through on the internet, which is um, surprisingly not going away. Like it's not going away. It's not. It's not that new thing, uh, that new fad that will be going away. We're gonna definitely still use the internet. The streaming services, um, whether you're pro or anti-streaming, they're gonna be here, and you know. Uh, so you should really take a part of those conversations uh, that deal with your music when it comes to streaming. Absolutely. And I think the landscape has to change and make the playing field more level for independent artists. Mm-hmm. I think independent artists do have a legitimate gripe about streaming services when they say, how can I know that I'm getting a fair shake from the streaming companies when the major record labels, the three majors own about a quarter of Spotify. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you know, if, if those guys are the shareholders, if those guys are pulling the strings at this company, how do I know that, you know, somebody like Marion call or somebody like, um, her and lamb are getting a fair shake when somebody else is kind of running the way streaming works. And I think that's a perfectly legitimate complaint. And, you know, we're going to have Marion call on in a little bit and Marion call is, I would say more in the anti-streaming crowd. If you check her website, she'll always say, don't listen to me on streaming. I mean, I appreciate it if you do, but buy my stuff on Bandcamp. Of course. And artists particularly like Bandcamp because if you buy it on iTunes, iTunes is going to take a piece. If you buy it on Bandcamp, that's your money. And so she's always said, you know, please don't stream my music if you can just buy it on Bandcamp, if you can afford it. And I get that because, you know, these, these, the two rock star economists that we talked to before, I would say at, at the macro level, I could almost believe that streaming is revenue neutral. But when you deal with independent artists with small quantities at the micro level, where it's just a person choosing between streaming a Marion Call song or downloading it, mm-hmm. you know, in that single instance, it's the difference between Marion Call getting 75 cents versus, you know, if you buy it on Bandcamp versus Marion Call getting seven tenths of a cent if you stream it on spotify so in those small quantities for indie artists i can see why a lot of them are anti-streaming now but hopefully over time we can find a way to make this model work as well as possible for indie artists because again with me neither being pro nor con on streaming i'm a realist (laughs) and this is where the industry is going you know 10 years ago we bought music in stores you know last year (laughs) we bought music on itunes and five years from now, music's going to be like Netflix. Well, I even want to say about that, you know, even taking it back 10 years ago, when we bought music in stores, those physical sales, there was still a lot of control in who gets to be out front, how much store space you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of 
you know, deep economic talks that go into, you know, what who's selling what at stores and who gets the shelf space. So I, I, yeah. I think more so, especially, again, the great uh, equalizer that is the Internet, we're all in a way getting a lot more shelf space you know in the indie the uh, virtual shelf the space the virtual shelf space <laughs> we're all, we're all getting more of that share and there's a, a, a lot less uh, barriers in between getting your cut of that share, uh, that that shelf space as opposed to before so again as we change how we think about how the industry works and who's getting what um, we can still look back and see that not everyone had that that fair share before, so we mm-hmm. need to work now to make sure that you know, as you say, the big companies still own a lot of even these streaming services, mm-hmm. um, and we need to sort of watch it that even that shelf space that we're supposed to all have much more equally um, isn't being taken away. Um, And I think that's probably the biggest thing for um, indie artists that are anti-streaming is that they're not in the conversation when it comes to how much they're getting or could potentially get. Absolutely. And, you know, the record labels have controlled the delivery creation and delivery of music for generations. Yeah. And now in (laughs) this current generation, they're noticing that, uh-oh, people don't need me to promote their music anymore. The proletariat is rising. That's right. They don't need me to make their music. They don't need me to market it. They don't need me to distribute it because all these things can be done cheaply using modern technology without a label. And you better believe the labels aren't giving up without a fight. Like, of they're going to use whatever tactics they can to control this new streaming landscape as much as they can to tilt the scales in their favor as well, much that's as what possible. Whole, that's what the whole last 10 years were. Mm-hmm. All the lawsuits and everything, they're trying to still keep a firm grasp on, you know, the traditional way that we do things. Right. And so in closing, the name of the game in all of this, indie artists, is you can win in the streaming world and eventually things are going to get more fair. But as long as along the way, you don't lose your rights. Keep distributing yeah. your stuff independently. You want to own your intellectual property in the songs you write and in the recordings you create fully and unequivocally. Because when this transition fully happens, the most valuable property you're going to have is that intellectual property because those are the ones who get to eat You know when, <laughs> when the streams go through. You don't want anybody else skimming off your earnings before you get any crumbs because that's how you get the small checks when you have many, many streams. You want at least a morsel. I think right now people <laughs> are getting crumbs. You want a morsel yeah. and then eventually that will lead to um, an entire plate because I, I think we can, we can kind of say that there will be skimming off the top somewhere along the way. Um, even if you own everything, I think that people are putting, you know, Spotify gets their cut. Well, no, right? Spotify gets their so, cut. If you distribute through CD baby, CD baby, you know, it's going to get their, their percentage, but, but there's a difference between, you know, skimp paying a service provider to help get your music to the masses right. and them getting, you know, 10% versus having a label do everything for you or a publishing company doing everything for you and them taking 95%. Right. <laughs> That's and a- then the part that you're supposed to get there charging towards like anything that you got earlier exactly or anything so (laughs) there you go all right um we will be right back we got marion call coming up next i'm so excited uh here on the break the business podcast 
Are you an independent artist looking to promote a recent release or crowdfunding campaign? If so, the Break the Business podcast would love to help you out by giving you a shout out on the air. Email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and tell us about yourself and your project. It won't cost you anything. We're just looking for a way to give back to the artistic community that's given us so much. Again, that's breakthebusiness at gmail.com for a free shout out. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She's an Alaska-based singer-songwriter who has released nine albums. She recently completed a monster Kickstarter campaign where she raised over $67,000 for the release of her upcoming album, Standing Stones. She'll be touring the East Coast in November, and you can find all of her music on MarionCall.com and on her Bandcamp page. Ladies and gentlemen, Marion Call is on the Break the Business podcast. Thank you, thank you. Hello, Marion. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very, very well, particularly because I'm talking to you right now. Uh, <laughs> I have we've interviewed a bunch of different terrific artists on the Break the Business podcast, and uh, what I think makes you unique is I've been a fan of your music long before I even got into entertainment law or the entertainment business. I've always just really loved the stuff that you create. Um, and I'm, af- <laughs> I'm afraid to tell you this cause it might be a little embarrassing, but I promised my co-host JC mm-hmm. that I was going to admit this to you. Uh, if I ever had the chance to speak to you, uh, your song, good morning moon is the song that wakes me up every morning on my alarm clock. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. See, we were debating during the previous segment as to whether or not you would be honored by that. Or you'd be like, Oh really? Every morning. Ooh, <laughs> went much no, better you know, than expected. There's a, a, a lot of people actually who have told me that because it's it's intended to be a wake up song. I don't know about you, but I'm the grumpiest in the morning. I'm really not into getting up. <laughs> so I wrote the wake up song that I thought I could, the cheeriest wake up song I thought I could handle. And a ton of people actually use it as their alarm clock. So I, I don't, I'm all about it. It's my, it's the one that kids like the most. And I'm not sure if that's great or bad. I'm sorry to all those parents. Because uh, <laughs> they hear it yeah. all the time. It's so perky. Um, well, no, my, my I'm also like you. I'm not a morning person. And my morning process is the same. Like, I'll, I wake up and my first thought is, oh, God, I can't. It's seven in the morning. Oh, I like this song. Oh, okay. Let's, we can tolerate this day from here on out. Um, so again, so all of that is just a very long way of saying that we're a big fan of you and, uh, I much appreciate you being on, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the stuff that you do, uh, can you give us a little bit of insight as to, um, the kind of music you play and how you got started as an independent artist entrepreneur? Uh, sure. I actually, um, let's describe the music a little bit first because on. The first leads to the second. Uh, I uh, do really kind of quirky, strange music. Most of my songs are a little bit like uh, cabaret tunes from imaginary musicals that have escaped and gone on their own roadshow. I I realized this as I was hanging out with my dad the last couple months, and uh, he he and I were big into Broadway. When I was a kid, we do musicals, and we listen to musicals all the time. I forgot what a huge influence they are, but yeah, all my songs are very kind of theatrical or storytelling or character pieces, and and they're in every different style from punk to jazz to folk to sort of like comedy music like Tom Lehrer. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a little goofy and a little weird, but I'm happy about the new internet music world. Cause that means there's room for someone strange like me. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And, 
as for how I got into being an independent musician and entrepreneur, um, I started doing this just because I liked it, but I realized pretty quickly, uh, well, I started doing it for two reasons. One, I liked it, and two, uh, MySpace had happened, and MySpace, even though they were intending to create just a social network, they unintentionally created the greatest music discovery social network that has ever existed. We still don't have one as good, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and uh, when people would put their profile song up, and uh, you'd go to their page and you'd be like, ah, stop playing profile song. But <laughs> you wouldn't believe what that did for independent artists. But the fact that anyone could upload a song um, and anyone could host their song and share it as this is my theme song this week, uh, that really changed the game and made me realize, hey, I don't need to find like, – like something has fundamentally changed here. I don't need to climb any ladders. I don't need to impress anyone famous. I don't need to – uh, I don't need to impress anyone at a record label. Like, uh, I can just find my thousand or 2000 people in my little corner who like my song and do this as a part-time job. And, uh, you know, so I went and made a record and I realized pretty quickly after I made my first record, that this was not a part-time job. It was definitely a full-time job. Uh, and so Very that's cool. how I went full-time. So, um, and, and it's interesting that you talk about the promise of this new industry and that you don't need to know, you know, the industry insiders to make and, you know, great music and give it to your fans. Um, and I think what also this new industry promises is that you don't necessarily have to be in the entertainment hubs of New York and Los Angeles to reach those fans either. That being yeah. said, Alaska, <laughs> hey. uh, how, I mean, not, not, not even not hating, but I mean, how on like has being that far out, you know, uh, up there in Alaska, has that uh, has that how has that affected your career? Have you have you found that it's uh, difficult to get your music to the masses, or is this world now so close together that it doesn't matter where you are? Well, no, I think it would be difficult if I was not able to tour, and I'm very I have a lot of privilege in that I was uh, young, healthy, and untethered enough to be able to do a lot of touring to get my career started. So not everyone has that, that luxury. Um, but, uh, in any case there, I mean, there are a lot of musicians up here too, who don't tour, who are still really widely known throughout the state and making effectively a part-time or full-time living. The, the localization of music is in my mind, the best of all possible worlds. It's how it always should have been. And probably how it always was, except for this weird blip in the part of the 20th century, you know, that you would have your local musicians, and uh, maybe a few national and international, you know, touring stars. Uh, and uh, and the, the balance of those two kept the music ecology really alive. Well, now I, I'm hopeful and I feel as if we're getting back to that. You go to any city, like I was just spending a couple of weeks in Austin, and there are the local Austin people who keep, you know, who, who are standbys, who are uh, the, the foundation, who keep it humming, you know, who keep that music scene humming, whether they're touring or not. And uh, I... And those people combined with the folks who are, you know, trying to make it to the top, trying to make it big. And then the people who've already made it big, I, all, all those different strata of the <laughs> musical rainforest, uh, I, I think the richer all of those are, the more they keep things uh, rolling. Alaska for me is where my songwriting fodder comes from. And it's just where I want to live. It's like my pond of choice. It's not, someone said it, so you, you wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. And I was like, no, I just wanted to be in my pond, you know, <laughs> the pond I like. That's and, very uh, sweet. <laughs> and that's what well, I was going I, I to say. I love that it's possible now. I wouldn't have started if it hadn't changed fundamentally to be possible. I was going to say, like Alaska must be great, like songwriting material. Just oh yeah, <laughs> just all the inspiration you could ever want. Oh yeah, I'm a very I'm a geography person. A lot of my songs are about geography. I think 
some section of the population is very impacted by where they are. And then there are other people who couldn't care less. And I really enjoy meeting them all, but I write a lot of songs for those folks who feel very powerfully where they are, you know, in, in space on the planet. Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your recent Kickstarter campaign that you just wrapped up uh, for your upcoming album, Standing Stones, where you raised over $67,000. Congratulations to you and your fans, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, the fans it's, did it's most a team of the raising. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, to a, be fair. a fair point. Um, and so yeah. certainly I want to fold them into this congratulation as well because, you know, they get to you know, benefit from uh, what you created and certainly all the stretch goals that I imagine got funded as well from this uh, funding bonanza that you were able to accomplish. Uh, for other artists out there who are, you know, maybe, you know, have gotten a little bit of a following going and they think that they might be able to, you know, kickstart a, a project. Do you have any... Do you have any tips for them as to, you know, for creating a good, strong Kickstarter campaign? You can get, you can give us general ones, or even if you have just like specific, you know, drilled down things, uh, almost anything would be great. Oh yeah. I, I, the most important thing, uh, there are two most important things. There are three, three, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this is my second Kickstarter campaign. My first one raised about the same amount of money. Uh, but I got in a lot of trouble with that one. I had too many, too big stretch goals. I went in the red, my laptop was stolen. I was set back several months, you know, it just, it was a mess. And, um, so this time I learned a lot about how important the boring, boring, boring process of working really hard on your budget spreadsheet is. Um, and I thought about it and I wrote a like 20 page blog entry on it with lots of charts and examples because it's so easy to do the math wrong. The math is not ever what you think, you know, like I think most people know by now that you can't set a goal that is the same as the amount of money you need. You have to set it about at least 20% higher for the Kickstarter fees and taxes. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that you also have to set it higher, um, to allow wiggle room for your backers to back at levels you don't expect. Like if your backers, uh, flood one reward tier or another reward tier, you might actually find your Kickstarter is no longer solvent if that reward tier costs, say, 2 or $3 per person to fulfill and another one costs nothing to fulfill or another one costs $20 to fulfill. You know, it, it where your backers go, which you don't have any control over, can uh, can sink your Kickstarter by accident. And that happened to me. All my backers on my first Kickstarter Went to the $125 level? What are you guys doing even? And, uh, <laughs> and that was amazing. But the $125 level was the most expensive and time-consuming for me to fulfill. So in the end, you know, the whole project itself wasn't quite solvent because even though I had all this money and that number went way up high, uh, the cost of fulfilling the rewards meant I didn't have enough to do the actual thing I was fundraising for. So do the math. Spend a lot of time with spreadsheets. It's super boring, but it's really the most important part. Uh, you've seen so many creators, uh, musicians especially, um, take longer than they thought to deliver and go way over budget and run out of money and be super slow delivering the rewards and go in the red. You know, it happens to, uh, I think, more projects than not for musicians. And anytime I see a musician doing a Kickstarter where they have a CD available, like sh I will ship you a CD or even just a postcard or a poster or anything, I will ship you something for less than a 30 or $40 reward. I just shake my head and go, nope, 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 nope. You can't <laughs> afford that. You feel like you can afford that, but you can't afford that because it's, it's not just buying a CD. It's backing a project. So it has to cost mm -hmm. more than you think for the backers. Um, so yeah, I, the blog post is, 
super long and boring, but I would recommend just Googling Kickstarter math or Googling Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter math Kickstarter is hard, right? Is Kickstarter it... math is weird. actually. Yeah. Weird. Sorry. It's um, not hard. It's pretty easy. It's just super weird. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to direct people to that because it's a great page. <laughs> um, so can yeah, you... that was the result of some lessons learned the hard way. Uh, so the second time I think I did better right now we're finding out, uh, like while the Kickstarter ran, I, I stayed solvent. I stayed on target. I tracked every minute what was happening and I switched up the order of my stretch goals to accommodate how much I actually was going to have to set aside for my project. Mm. So that said, now the rubber's meeting the road and I've just gone down for my first couple recording sessions and everything costs more than you think always, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm doing good, but I'm already like a little bit behind on the budget and cutting into like that, that bonus wiggle room that uh you allow for yourself the extra thousand dollars leeway or something where you're like well this is just in case and you know there it goes (laughs) you ate your cushion just like that i know i know i did go to the dentist that was exciting Um, (laughs) the life of a professional musician is very glamorous i went to the dentist for the first time in five years i was very proud thank you kickstarter thank Uh, you fans (laughs) everything good there clean bill of health Uh, yeah i had no cavity yeah all right how about that <laughs> hey, that that's worth an applause. Uh, dental hey, health is no joke. <laughs> it isn't, but you know, shouldn't that like shouldn't that not be a red letter thing? It's not that hard to take care of our teeth, and yet we don't do it. It's oh god, mm-hmm. uh, humans! Was, I tell you, that's a good public service announcement. Marion Call for <laughs> dental health. Uh, can can you give us a little more insight on uh, what what have been good Kickstarter rewards for you, and which ones were bad rewards for you? Um, I. The rewards, uh, thinking, thinking, processing, processing buffering, processing, uh, more coffee, please. Uh, <laughs> I think the, uh, the thing that I, that most sunk in between my first Kickstarter, which had some trouble and my second one, which has so far been going better was don't do stuff that's unrelated to the project. You know, I, so last time I had all these bonus things that were like, and I'm going to do an extra song and I'm going to do a video and I'm going to do, you know, all these things that were really fun. And I'm glad I did, but they took so long to do because they were just unrelated to the main thing I was fundraising for. You know, it was like, this is an opportunity to make extra art. Well, yeah, that's great. But you, your extra art should be, you know, solvent and not piggybacking and not, you know, ultimately going to be a promise you can't keep. So it's better to promise new art to yourself than to thousands of fans um, wow, <laughs> because you never good. know how long it's going to take or how much it's going to be. Uh, the, uh, the other thing I learned about the rewards, oh, sorry, this time around on the rewards, basically what I had was nicer and nicer, fancier and fancier, more and more thorough versions of the album that I'm already making so that I'm, so that I'm laying on my own plate, just work on the record. Like my job for the next few months is work on the record. And Mm -hmm. that was not my job last time around. My job last time around was do 40 different things. And now my job is work on making the record. So that is what the Kickstarter ought to do is help you focus on the project. Uh, I am doing a lot. So like all my rewards are about the record. Like I have an acoustic EP that's going to go along with the studio record. Um, I have a, I'm going to make some vinyl, which is exciting. I'm doing better album art than I was gonna. I am writing kind of a book of poetry that has some of the extra stuff that got cut. Um, yeah. So everything's just focused on this project. And I, I think that that really helps. <laughs> oh, awesome. And again, congratulations on your monster Kickstarter campaign. Uh, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Want to move next to your your music videos. Uh, uh, going back to Good Morning Moon, which again is the song that wakes me up every morning. Uh, I love the video for Good Morning Moon. <laughs> uh, it's 
you know, I, I I would say it's probably among the best uh, indie music videos I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, how you were able <laughs> to, you know, how an indie artist was able to, you know, shoot herself looking, you know, in a in a space capsule. Uh, if, if, for <laughs> listeners, if you haven't checked checked this video out, be sure to do so. Uh, Good morning, Moon by Marion Call. Uh, but I, I I assume if you can if you can make a video with yourself in a space capsule, you probably know a thing or two about how to create. A good music video as an indie artist. So, uh, can you give some other indie artists out there any tips for, you know, making a, a, a great music video, preferably on a limited budget, as many artists have? Well, see, I have this cheat code, unfortunately. But <laughs> uh, no, the amazing work that you see in most. She's of actually an astronaut. I'm you... actually an astronaut. No, uh, I actually did go to ASA, the Europe's NASA, right? Uh, the European Space Agency. Uh, hmm. We shot that. Uh, at uh, a little rocket center they have there where they have a duplicate of the uh, European module of the space station, which is the one with the uh, cupola in it. So we That's got to cool. shoot inside wow. a replica of the, uh, yeah. We couldn't finagle the anti-grav, but, you know. Well, next, next time. time. Next time. Bigger budget. Uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, here's the thing. All the amazing video work that you see that I've done in the last few years is the result of my partnership with this awesome boyfriend I have named Patrick Race. And he is here in Juneau and he's a really amazing filmmaker. So we, I'm lucky enough to have a partnership where we really, really love doing this stuff. And we have a lot of fun. We, we made goofy videos just in our house, like the soup video or sensitive to bees. Um, (laughs) we shoot videos around Juno and, um, Every now and then we do a really big project like Shark Week or like uh, uh, like Good Morning Moon. Um, so, yeah, my advice is have a, a domestic partner who really is into filmmaking. No. But I will <laughs> say this. Like collaborating is one of the most important things you can do. He's uh, my favoritist collaborator, of course, because he gives great hugs. But um, there are a lot of other collaborators in my life who are really important. And artistic collaboration opens so many doors. Uh, it's if you get like that's part of why I live in Juno, too, is that. An artistic community is not um, a thing you can have just online or just in the ether. You have to kind of pursue it. Or if you make good artistic collaborating friends online, you should go see them. You should really pursue those friendships and make stuff together. Um, Because you like it's so much better than what I could have made on my own. Uh, And it's also uh, like one of the things he did was he took uh, public domain footage from the space station, all those kind of fast moving uh, uh, space images that are in that he stitched those together with a program that turned individual photos from the space station into stop motion footage so um so he could vary the speed and things you know and he found the uh like the old footage of the apollo astronauts bouncing around on the moon and that's cute yeah it was great um (laughs) and i went over to europe and with a friend of ours uh aryan uh we uh shot the footage kind of long distance, you know, uh, he told us how he wanted it lit and stuff and we did our best to, uh, get it. And then when we got back home, he put it together. But like, this was the result of multiple friends coming together and making a thing happen. Um, I would also say when you want to collaborate with people like that, like if I have a photographer friend who is shooting a bunch of footage for me, uh, a bunch of photos for me, like professional level, if I have a friend who's working on a website, if I have a friend who's doing a song with me, co-writing, um, I make sure to pay them all. You know, um, and that is uh, that might feel out of reach, but even if it's a token amount, uh, I think that's an important discipline to pay your friends and collaborators, and for them to pay you. Like when I let 
the guys here in my office use some of my music for a commercial or for a thing that they're doing, you know, they pay me and uh, I pay them back for something else later. <laughs> like, but I think that that's important to a healthy creative ecology. So, and it's hard to figure out sometimes how to pay them, but I just try and build it into my budget when I'm doing a big thing, like for my next CD, even though I know that all the people doing my album artwork are going to be my friends, I've budgeted to pay them because that's, I, I don't know. I think that's how you keep the indie artistic world healthy. I think it's one of the things that we take for granted as, you know, from the consumer side, we don't realize that, hey, people need to be paid for their time. And in a lot of other industries, we don't even realize that we're taking that away. So, you know, as an yeah. artist, it's great to put that, you know, at the forefront to say, you pay me for my time, I pay you for your time, because we're all working together. And that just kind of feeds the art, right? Totally. Yeah. And if you can't pay for something yet, like if you're a band and you want a friend to take your photos, freaking mow their lawn, play their wedding reception, <laughs> like barter. I, yeah, I yeah. really mean it. If you if you make it a practice to make sure that everyone who works on one of your projects feels fairly compensated, even if it's with work or helping them move or whatever, um, then uh, and showing up to their shows, showing up to their gallery exhibitions, whatever it is, uh, I think that's how you have people who continue to be willing to work with you, right? Because you're not just paying them for like an afternoon filming you or something. You're paying them for the 30 years of experience it took them to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Like when, when people are paying me for a show, they're not paying me to sing for a little bit. They're paying me for 25 years of formal training, you know? Amen to that. And I wish you could say that again. Like a thousand I, times. I, <laughs> I mean, put a beat behind it. Put it on yeah. loop. Be good. <laughs> Yeah, no, my, my, my colleague JC is a, a professional singer himself. And uh, how many yeah. times have you been paid in exposure, buddy? <laughs> yeah. That's great. You know, you'll, you'll get a blurb maybe in this magazine if you uh, work for us. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> um, well, I would love for the listeners to get to hear some of your creative product, uh, which I bought on iTunes, by the way. <laughs> um, and I've, awesome. I've bought your Bandcamp. stuff on Bandcamp as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, so people get to hear some of your music and they'll uh, hopefully be inspired to buy more of your terrific stuff, your many, many albums. Uh, this is Dear Mr. Darcy off of your uh, previous release, Something Fierce, and we're going to play it right now on the Break the Business podcast. And she thought as the rotten and rusted or hinges squeal as he left. How remarkably deftly, how utterly thoroughly he'd failed to confess. He'd evaded the point and eluded the moon. She meant to convey when she laid out the food. Even put up her hair, but the boy wouldn't bite. And it was almost sexy, but not quite. But how could she fret when she'd won that small bet with a well-meaning friend who had sworn it would end with a kiss and a cry and a happy reveal for what man could resist, such a gem of a meal. She'd collect on the cash, but her victory stung. She cursed at the cat that had captured her tongue. She broke out the chocolate and started to write, and it was almost helpful, but not quite. Dear sir, I've been dropping hints like bricks on you.
But if you peel back the polite, there might be something fierce inside. Remember the fet where the two of us met? Less a boat from the blue, more social ineptness. The cool kids swarmed, you clung to the corner. That's how my poor heart before I could wander. The rest of me followed a bit starry-eyed And you took off your hat and you bought me some wine And it was almost awkward, but not quite Well, we are not so much for big parties and such We'd rather observe than be part of the crush So you uncapped your camera to frame the good times I'd have to use napkin to scribble some lines And the chemistry swept us both off our toes You shot no one else, I couldn't compose And you said I was sweet, nearly kissed me goodnight And it was almost perfect, but not quite Oh, dear sir, you've been dropping hints like bombs It's just because my patience tried And if you peel back the polite There might be something fierce inside From that day to this Your timidity's disenchanted me You were looking so longing Why couldn't you say you With all of my will But unfortunate me You can see how I fail I've been waiting a year I've been waiting for you I've been biting my tongue And I'm almost through Dear sir I am dropping my last guard for you I'm fearful and I'm foolish And I'm agitated too But all this anticipation Without consummation It's hard on a poor girl's pride And though I doubt I'll send this letter If I did you'd see My goodness gracious! <laughs> wow, <laughs> oh that that song is terrific, Mary. And thank you very much for letting us play it on the show. Oh, of course. That-
That was fun. I actually haven't listened to that in a long time. Oh, <laughs> it was great. There you go. I was like, go trumpets, go. Yeah. <laughs> your your band is ridiculous, man. That's what he said. <laughs> oh man, that's you know, only the drummer, guitarist, and bass were in the room at the same time. Everything else is a piece at a time, slowly, as I have enough money to pay them, you know, and uh but it's really fun to put it all together. Holy I love, moly, yeah, the, I love the arrangements, arrangements are, are are like uh I mean yeah, just wow. The, ar- <laughs> the arrangement is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, thanks. There are some great, great, great people in there. I love them. Uh, and that's, that's oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's kind of a change from what you have going on now. You you mentioned earlier that you were down in Austin for a couple of weeks, uh-huh. and now you're collaborating in the room. How has that kind of sort of changed your process? I mean, that was great. We're still adding a lot of instruments later, but this time, um, like when we did something fierce uh that record that we were just listening to Mm -hmm. we had the guitarist bassist and drummer all in the room for like one rehearsal and then we kind of worked out the rest in the studio so uh we we just didn't have a lot of time to actually collaborate and have different people bring different things to it this time we rehearsed for a week we played three shows on the road and then we went into the studio really having some idea what we were doing i mean it was the band had played together long enough to to uh really like some songs we left the studio and they were just almost done except for a little bit of flourish right Mm -hmm. uh there's others that are still going to be more constructed and we've been working on that since like i was just down again adding you know extra instruments and deciding exactly which instruments we want doing guitar pickups uh so it'll still be a little bit constructed but having the band on one place at one time is a expensive and b crucial (laughs) it really (laughs) It really, because I don't have a band. I wish I could. I want all the drums all the time. But as like <laughs> the the reality is that like I don't know how people who have an indie band and tour make that work. I I can barely make the numbers work just for me and a, a hired accompanist who doesn't get paid as much, you know, as they should. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know how people with bands make it work for real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I can I can certainly understand that. Um, mm-hmm. Before we let you go, and believe me, we don't want to. Uh, you're, you've been a treat. Um, can you? Uh, do you have any other uh, final tips that, that you can uh, convey? Some extra wisdom that you can give to uh, some of the indie artists out there? Um. Yeah, I would just want to say. I mean, something I feel like I want to say all the time, which is keep returning to your craft. Keep ret- like the the thing that makes it work ultimately the thing that gets you the people who are going to give you the money who are going to help sustain you is a focus on your craft and spending the time to to take the lessons to put in the practice to keep it fresh to keep playing out whatever it takes for you to continue developing until you turn heads you know like that's that's what you want to focus on first it doesn't matter how many great strategies you have for social media and crowdfunding if Either your craft is not up to snuff because there are millions of more talented than ever people out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, no one needs to listen to you. There are so many incredible voices emerging right now. Uh, but so, yeah, if, you're, if your craft is not stellar and top-notch and if you're not happy with it, like if you're not actually happy doing the thing that you're fundraising to do – then you need to re-examine where you're going. Like the idea of being an independent artist can sometimes be more appealing than the reality because the reality is you don't make a lot of money and you sleep on the floor a lot and um, you get bitten by insects more than is appropriate for grownups. And you, uh, <laughs> and, you know, you just uh, you have a lot of limits on your lifestyle and on your stability and you spend most of your time honestly not doing music but being like a poorly paid secretary. So uh, if, if that's 
not actually the life you want. You find that out by spending time being in the job that you want to be in, you know, by, by finding out, does my time being a musician make it worth it? And am I good enough that this is a thing I should pursue full time? If not, let me practice some more because the person who practices the most wins. So I, as much as we talk about strategies to do things like this, I think bringing ourselves back to the art again and again is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in the end, you know, having not just a lot of talent, but having distinctive talent, talent that, you know, kind of allows you to, to cut through the clutter. I mean, the great thing about the 21st century is that, you know, worldwide promotion exists for every, for everybody. But the worst thing about mm-hmm. it is that it exists for everybody I <laughs> and it can well, be hard I to would, cut through. I wouldn't even say talent. I think talent is, is expires by age 20. I think by the time you're 20, <laughs> the person who works hard will trump the person with talent every single time. <laughs> I, I, I stand by that. I totally stand by that. The person with talent who also works hard is going to do great. Oh yeah. But, but talent only gets you so far as coasting gets you. And if, you know, the people who play hard and practice by the time they've passed age 20, they will be the ones who are actually much better equipped to make a living. So that makes it more accessible to anyone. And I, I like that world. I like that world. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Marion, it has been a treat. Thank you so much for being on the show. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Oh, yeah. I'd love to come see you guys in Miami. Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, if you come down to Miami, I'll find a way to, to populate whatever venue it is. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll be your one-man street team if I have to. I'd love to, to see you perform live. All I'd right. love to get back down there. Have a great time. Cool. Uh, we'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. How great was Marion Call, JC? She was a delight. You can find her music at MarionCall.com. Check her out on her Bandcamp page. I am so thrilled that I finally... Because <laughs> I've, I've known her... I feel like I've known her for so many years. Like, she's just felt like a friend to me just from listening to all of her music. And now, like, I've met her, and that's so cool. And I got to be professional about this, but I'm just totally geeking out. Thank you again, Marion, and I... I I honestly hope uh, she comes back again real soon. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't know what's going to happen on this segment because <laughs> w- basically what I told you is okay, I, I, you know, I, I asked you to come and stop by the podcast. Thank you for mm-hmm. stopping by, by the way, and uh, helping me out so that I'm not just talking to myself. And I told you that in our third block of the show each week, we sort of just wing it. And oftentimes I let the co-host sort of tell me what they want to do. And so I actually have no clue you told me you have something. I have no clue what you're going to do, and I'm I'm excited. Here we it, go. It's not too scary. I know that Dave usually fills it with uh, torture devices. Yes. I, that's uh, the only way to explain it. A game yeah. show where I lose every week, and he delights, relishes even, in my failure. Yeah. So th- there are even sound effects ready for... Uh, Wrong! Yeah. That's the one I get a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only button on this sound effects board that's in danger of breaking because of how frequently right. it gets used. You, you so quickly went to it because you're, you're ing- it's ingrained. Yeah. I don't even need to look at the board to know where it is. <laughs> wrong. Yeah. It's just wrong. Yeah. It's so wrong. 
I will treat you very nicely with this one. But I want to talk a little bit. I want to introduce it, get us into it. All right. Um, so as far as pop culture goes, you know, this past week, we've, uh, you know, we've started to feel again. Yes. I, I, feel, I, already, I already know what you're talking about. I feel like I haven't felt since... <laughs> Since 2012. Yes. The moment you said we've started to feel again, I already knew who you're talking about. So who am I talking you're about? You're talking about Adele. Well, obviously. She's been gone, and none of us have, as you said, none of us have felt since, what, 2011, 2012, and now we all get to feel things again. All of our feelings were put on layaway, and uh, <laughs> this November 20th weekend, uh, right. finally. We, and now we now we get to go back to the Walmart right. and get our feelings out of layaway. Exactly. We can uh, take those wonderful feelings home oh, uh, coming up soon. New Adele. But I mean, it, it, in the process of this week, she's uh, broken the internet. Yes. Not in the same way that uh, Kim Kardashian did. Um, but just as devastating, I guess. Uh, she's really just been smashing records like left and right. Yeah. Um, it's that video know, is just for hello. Is that just, video yeah. already. Goodbye, Taylor Swift, who a little piece of trivia, uh, had before her the most streamed, uh, Vivo video, um, of all time so far, mm -hmm. because as far as streaming videos have gone, she was at, uh, twenty point one million views of single twenty four hour streams. Um, That's crazy. Adele decided to say hello, love. Um, go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and step right into yeah. that. Uh, and then she added seven million on top of that. So she's at twenty. She had twenty seven point seven million views in a twenty four hour period for. Hello. In all fairness, 27.6 million of those views were me just right, refreshing it just over and over. But I mean, not to discount it, it's still a very impressive achievement. Yes. Somebody on Twitter said something very funny about Adele where it was like, you know, she made us feel all of these emotions back in 2011 just by writing all of these songs about her breakups and her mm -hmm. love. Imagine what we're in for now when she's had a kid. Like yeah. we're gonna get all this motherhood stuff dumped on <laughs> us too. And it's just the it's the new frontier of feeling. Yes. And uh Hello is amazing. I can't believe she shattered that that Vivo record. Yeah. I thought for sure like that was gonna be one of those, you know, Wayne Gretzky most goals in a career thing that's just never gonna get matched. And right. she obliterated it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, speaking and of she's the... been out sorry, and she's been out of the game. For three years, like, we've all forgot about her. And then she's just like, I'm back. And we all went, Adele! Oh, right. We didn't forget. But <laughs> we said, all right, she needs to go away for a little bit. And um, it's just a testament to, you know, how how big fans we are, really, yes. um, on a large scale. So, you know, it's good to see that an artist, you know, and even, you know, this is a, a podcast about any artist, um, but... Take your time with your music. I think that's the biggest thing is that the fans will still be there when you take your time, process with your music. And this latest album is the Makeup album. Ooh. So we had the Breakup 25 is the uh, title for the next album. So that will be the Makeup album. And then, so I, I, I then thought, oh, 1921, 25, is there some sort of like numerology going on oh, really? here? Is there oh, something buddy, I'm supposed to know? <laughs> no, it's just the age she right. is during the writing process. Right. Which, by the way, like, we're both older than she is. And 
how how much does it hurt when you're like, God, you were so like when I was 25, I was I was just incapable of any kind of original thoughts. Like, how can you do this? How? I mean, the one who really pisses me off in that regard is Lord. Like Lord writing <laughs> yeah. these, like I was like, I'm like, Lord, like she puts out a song like Royals or team or tennis court. I'm just like, Lord, you're 17. Yeah, like how, you, how you haven't felt anything. You haven't I, even lived life. How are you? How are you writing these songs? I could barely rub two sentences together right. <laughs> at 17, let alone put out an entire album. What, what has, what could life possibly do to you at 17 or 25 <laughs> for that matter, that you're capable of these explosively profound thoughts it's, i don't know oh. but but we're able to benefit so jealous from them. yeah exactly but we benefit yeah exactly yeah so the most upcoming the the hyped album i i don't even think it's hyped i i think it's kind of a done deal that uh more records will be shattered mm-hmm. coming up when the album is released uh you know in like late november um it, billboard is already saying that the album will hit one million plus in the first week. There are some people who are saying two million is not out of the question. Two million is not out of the question. Can you guess? I know you're big on trivia, just like I am. So, and for the listeners, if you're listening, who do you think currently, or if you know, maybe you know, who holds the current record for the most albums sold for female artists in the first week of sales? Oh my God. You'd probably have to go way back. I mean, I mean, it, it, in in the Nielsen sound scan, right? Era, that's that's saying sound right. can, but like, I mean, you have that's, to go way back because and that's like, only like thirty five years, right? Because just people haven't or, or bought out al- like people don't actually. buy albums like that anymore. Like yeah. the, the idea of an artist selling a million albums throughout the course of an album's entire life cycle is insane right. these days. I think I think in twenty fourteen, the only artist who went platinum that wasn't the frozen soundtrack was Taylor Swift. Right. So like, that's just not the way these things are done. Don't anymore. you take that away from Elsa. <laughs> So I'm going to say uh, Mariah Carey. Oh, good guess. Okay. Now you're going to have to go all the way back to, I think, 2001. 2001? So think of that era. Mm-hmm. Oh, one. Right on that? I think I'm right on that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Britney Spears, Dixie Chicks. The first one was Greg. It's Britney, Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Okay. For Oops, I Did It Again. Oh. Who was really only at, I think, 1.23 mil. Oh, for that. So she gets with the two mills. It's like record shattered. She's actually um, butting up against the uh, first week sales of all time, which would be in sinks. No strings attached, which is two point two four. And that's like <laughs> the height of people buying right. physical. Right. That, that was the height of the physical album era, era exactly. right before everything collapsed. When like, <laughs> when and I think strings, no strings attached when diamond, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was. It was, and then Backstreet Boys had an album around the same time that to, also like, went Diamond. Diamond right? at that time. That's, that's like... what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I mean, like nobody's getting, nobody's going Diamond anymore. Like those Diamond records, like, are just sitting in the RIAA's closet behind lock and key, right. and you know they're behind all kinds of books and like you know in the janitor's closet with like mops and buckets behind them, just because no one's ever going to need them again. Exactly. But now, maybe I, Adele might. Who knows? Yeah, I got some of my figures confused actually. Taylor Swift last year with 1989, yeah, did 1.23. Like okay, Britney Spears, if she she can exceed Britney Spears if she reaches over 1.32. Okay. So just a small, uh, yeah, just yeah. a couple thousand I, more. I, I think she'll do it. I think she could clear two, and I think she'll get closer to two than one. Would yeah. be my guess. Anyway, um, so, kudos uh, to Adele. 
So, yeah, and that, you know, that just goes back to a lot of the things that we talked about in the first segment about how, like, physical streams work, uh, how physical sales work, and then digital streams. And, you know, if you're taking an eye on what Adal's doing, her camp actually uh, refused uh, to uh, sell on Spotify or iTunes exclusively because they have a three-song exclusive deal with target. And okay. so you have these big box stores that are getting into, you know, the, the industry and how we consume music because they're like, well, we want these exclusives and we want it to be mm, the album coming out. You have to think about, about when albums are released and this one on November 20th, it's going to shatter all those records very likely because it's re released on November 20th, which happens to be the Friday before Black Friday. Mm -hmm. So, of course. And, of course, December, the biggest time for music retail sales. Exactly. So there's there's just no doubt that that's going to happen. So in the spirit of 25 and hello, I came up with a little bit of a trivia thing for you to guess. Okay. And there's not, there's, exactly, there's not too much. It's not crazy. Not crazy, um, and not torturous. For you. Yeah, you're not gonna, no, <laughs> I, I, I did this in the spirit of you actually getting them relatively easy, and and, and you know a, a little spot of sunshine for the listeners in David's unfortunate torturous cloud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this game is called Greetings and Farewell. Okay, and uh, in this game. Each of these song titles contains some form of one of these two things, maybe even both. Okay. Wait, do you, so, do you want some kind of imaging for your game show? Can we give you some? Here, sure. Right, here we go. So what was the title again? Greetings and Farewell. There you go. I loved it. I might have taken my finger off the button a little too early there, but... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you have imaging. So greetings and farewells. Greetings and farewell. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the year of the song, and I will tell you your only hint. This is like a crossword clue. The only hint is that the titles contain a greeting, a farewell, or both. Okay. Okay. So, it's so the, that's your, all I get is a year. You get a year, and I'm actually going to say some lyrics. Okay. From all the right, song. So that... I'm already putting you there. I would like you to give me the title of the song and the artist. So I guess this is in honor of Hello and. This is in okay. honor of Adele. Okay. Here we go. Right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. 1967. I'm going to try to read Whoa. it as dry as possible. 67. Okay. 67. All you right. know, your birth year, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah? Totally. Okay. All right. It's an easy one to start. Okay. You say hi, you say low, you say why, and I say I don't know. Oh, no. You say farewell, and I say greetings. <laughs> First of all, um, that, at least when you started saying it, like I was getting sort of like if that lyric was being read by Maya Angelou. So ah, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He's like, you I say do, goodbye, and I say Hello. I do have her cadence. <laughs> um, that's, that's um, I mean, it's the Beatles. Mm -hmm. it's, it's called Hello, Hello, or Hello, Goodbye. Hello, there Goodbye we... by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Not wrong yet. All right. We're going to bring it a little bit more recent. Much appreciated. All right. 2002. Okay. 
farewell to everything that I knew. You were the one I loved. The one thing that I tried to hold on to. Farewell to everything I knew. So I've replaced important words so that you can sort of get it. So farewell to everything that I knew. Okay. You were the one I loved. The one thing that I tried to hold on to. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't know that one. Uh, That would be... So we replace our farewell. The farewell in this case is goodbye to you. Bye. Goodbye to you. Michelle Branch. Goodbye to you. That's the one. Hold on to me. Yeah, so that means you are wrong. Wow, way to go. Like Michelle Branch (laughs) deep cut there. Right? Woo. That's that's probably one of her good good hits. All right. All right, we're going to take it back a little bit. All right, so now you kind of get a feeling of what I'm replacing here, right? Yes. All right. 1992. 1992. And I say greetings. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Greetings. Yeah, yeah. I say greetings. What's going on? All right. What's the year again? 1992. 92. And I say greetings. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> I think I got it. All right. What do you <laughs> is got? This, uh, is this... Uh, oh, crap. Uh, this is Four Non Blondes. Four Non Blondes. And then, did the name of that title have a have a have a greeting in it? It does. Oh crap! I thought I thought it was just called "What's Going On." No. And I say, hey. That's what most people think it I is. I thought it actually. was. It's not though. It's probably the most searched uh, title for it, but oh. it's not the actual title. Oh my god! I thought that was the title of of, of that song by Four yeah. Non Blondes. It's not. It's um. Uh, I don't know. It is a greeting. It's what's up? Oh, you. I know. Come on! No, we're gonna get <sighs> Linda Perry. Is that Linda Perry? Did I get that right? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get her on the phone. That's ridiculous. I that that really frustrates. Like yeah. you know, her. Like just call your song. What's going on? That's what we know it is. And by the way, Billy Joel Armstrong, your song's called "Time of Your Life." Get your yeah, good riddance crap out of here. No. Like what? It like just the, the, title it what it's supposed to be titled. Don't be cute. No, that's the best thing. You know, artists. But when I'm trying to Google the song, I can't find it. because oh, Google's good like that. It'll kind of guess for Google you. Google knows what's up. Google knows Google knows what's up. <laughs> I hate it. Right. It doesn't. Wow. <laughs> can't believe I just did that. Yeah, right. I did. All right. 2006. Okay. A good year for music. That was like right in my musical wheelhouse. Right. Here, here you go. Greetings, person. Don't worry about the distance. I'm right here if you get lonely. Give this song another listen. Oh, yeah. This is a... Uh... Oh, the the official song of, of sad long-distance relationships. Uh, hey There, Delilah yes. by the Plain White Tees. Yes. Very well done. Oh, Very man. well done. This, that, that was in your wheelhouse. I'm t- oh, because it, it was the... I mean, how many how many songs was that the song for long distance couples? Like there are probably many oh, yeah. long distance couples in 2006 who made that their song. And I'm guessing that song didn't help very much because, you know, long distance relationships always fail. So I'm thinking that song has a very poor record <laughs> in actually keeping couples together. And then you have to ask how many people really don't like that song anymore. 
That's true. Like <laughs> I, I'm thinking there are a lot of people out there have a very negative view of that song because yeah. they just remember their failed relationship where, you know, one of them went to Stanford and the other one went to Duke and it didn't make it halfway through first semester. Oh, a couple <laughs> weeks into the first semester. That's right. That's always how it is. I remember at a, uh, one of my cousins was telling me because he had a long distance relationship when he started college yeah. and it lasted all of, you know, a few weeks. And he told me he was in this like long distance relationship support group in his college where the first week there was like 14 people in it. And then second week it was down to 10. Mm. And then like by the end of it, he's like all alone. And he's like, oh, I guess I got to leave my girlfriend too. Yeah. <laughs> got to join the crowd. That's right. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Next up, we have a cut from 1991. Oh, that's another good musical I will year. say, just in case your musical knowledge is deep, this is a remake a remake. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. Okay. If we get to see you tomorrow, I hope it's worth all the wait. It's difficult to bid farewell to previous times. <laughs> this isn't fair because I was actually just listening to this what? last night. Oh. Uh, this was Goodbye to Yesterday by Boys to Men. Oh. No. No, 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 no. No. Wait, stop. Wait. That wait, <sighs> is that not what it's called? No. No. Am I, I wrong? Am I, I feel like listeners are screaming at. Am you I completely right like? Do I have the, do I have the right like? Am I? Oh, you're so you're so close. All right. Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. It's not you're telling like, because it's not goodbye to yesterday. Oh no, no. Wait, let me stop you. I know what you're. Right. I'm on to you, JC. I know you're crap. I know because this the the full title of the song. You jerk yeah. is it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. All right, go ahead and press. Yeah. The Press the button. You got it. That's a great song. That's, that's, I love that song <laughs> so much. Come on. Um, like, but you're right. Prom, that is a remake. A lot of people don't of know a, that. Of a decade. Yeah. It is a, a remake from a song uh, in Cooley High. That's right. Yeah. I remember. I, I For some reason, I was like Wikipediaing that the other day because I mm. wanted to learn more about that song. And I was like, oh, this was like from a movie or something. You're trying to scoop me on my game. <laughs> that's what it was. But no, <laughs> I, was, I was literally listening to this last night. Yeah. Um, and I think it was because I was watching an old, ep- uh, not an old episode, but like uh, an episode of Fresh Off the Boat from a few weeks ago. Wow. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were talking about boys to men. I was like, oh, man, I want to hear, you know, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. It's a that great song, song, if you don't, I mean, that that show, if you don't know, is set in like 1995. Yeah. So it's just that any music on that show, like always brings back really oh. great memories. You know what the cool thing about that show is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just make this Fresh Off the Boat talk sure. for the last couple minutes is... The char- you know, the lead character on that show, Eddie Huang, is was ten years old in 1995, yeah. which is the exact time that I was ten years old. Yeah. So everything he's living, I was living at the same time. <laughs> Game Genie, you know, Reebok pumps, Shaq Fu, <laughs> Shaq Fu, and so it, it's so in a cool way. I get to relive my childhood through a TV show, and also it makes me feel really old. Because, oh, yeah. you know, now I realize how old I am because all the stuff I love is now 20 years old. Oh, not only, like the stuff you love is like nostalgia. Exactly. Nostalgia for everyone. Right. <laughs> oh, God. All right, I got a couple more for you. Oh, a couple more? Here we go. Yeah, all right, more. let's you do ready? it. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 2003. Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together like we don't know how. Greetings, person. Greetings, person. <laughs> That's a uh, hey, y'all, outcast. Very well done. You make right. it tough. Like you, you don't give me any rhythm <laughs> no. or, or pitch. Like you're just reading them. And you, you know, know I'm fighting my nature. You are. 
<laughs> like I know, but you're, but what you're doing is you're channeling your Maya Angelou, right, right, right. and you're just giving her cadence on everything. Of course. And, all right, so I'm, 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 I was feeling good about that one. But yeah, it's she is always with me. What did you call it? Hey, uh, greetings, greetings person, person instead of hey ya. Yes, <laughs> it's great. All right, 1984. Ooh, okay. Greetings. I've just got to let you know, because I wonder where you are, <laughs> and I wonder what you do. Uh, is this Hello by Lionel Richie? Very well done. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Pulling in on the last one. All right. Last Ready? one. Here you go. I made this. Uh, I don't know. This one might be tough. I don't know. Okay. All what right. year? 2003. Okay. Okay. Greetings, person. <laughs> it's that beat that make you move, person. Get on the floor and move your body, person. We the blast masters blasting up the person. Uh, how many songs do you know that have the words Blastmasters? Blastmasters. Um, wait, I think I know this. I think this is. Um, oh, I got it. Got it. Uh, but yeah, because like, man, your rhythm was so different from the song. It's <laughs> we the Blastmasters blasted up the. the that's yeah. um, um, Hey Mama by Black Eyed Peas. Well, old done. school Black old Eyed Peas. Elephant yeah. Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> yeah. Before Let's Get It Started came out, and uh, you know, Middle America was okay with yeah, yeah the they, Black Eyed Peas. They got accepted. Man, do you remember the Black Eyed Peas? Like, you know, that's they had that song. Um, what was their first you know hit with Justin Timberlake? Where is the love? And they were like, yeah, that was their first song. Like, where's the love? It's all about like, like really powerful lyrics talking about how like, you know, the real terrorists are the the CIA and the mm-hmm. you know KKK. Like they're making these strong political statements. And at some point they said, yeah, we're not, people aren't digging this. Let's just make songs about partying. Woo. <laughs> and they became millionaires. So, No, I totally think that my humps is <laughs> just as provocative right. yeah. and controversial. It's hidden all those same points. <laughs> all right. <really. laughs> All right. Our, our thanks to Marion Call. Thank you, JC, for stopping by. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business Podcast. See you next week. Mm-hmm.